What's up, guys? Coming to you live from the Grindhouse Strength and Conditioning in Bakersfield, California. I am your host, Blake Bernard, and you are now listening to the House Blend Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything high performance. If you are looking to become stronger, faster, more explosive, then you have come to exactly the right place. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome in. Today, we have a special, special guest, dude that's near and dear to my heart, Mr. Brandon Bird. Brandon owns Bird Sports Performance in... Brandon, what, what's what city are you in? It's actually, you could just say Allentown, Pennsylvania. Allentown. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's like what if you don't know it's a super it's the third largest city in Pennsylvania. It's it's a, it's a it's an hour west, New York City, and an hour north of Philadelphia. <laughs> there we go. Your counties are a little bit different up there. So like when we're talking about where you're located, it's not as straight up as just saying you're in a city because you could be like city limits, but in a larger county or a district, and people just kind of the nomenclature changes, you know, depending on the region. Right. And right. you recently just moved, right? Yeah, man, I, I just, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, uh, <clears throat> my, um, my landlord retired and sold my building and didn't give me enough time to, to look for a new spot. So I had to uh, relocate temporarily, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, I moved about 10 miles away. So I'm, I'm waiting and praying and saying prayers. Oh, this has been a little tough time for me, but um, sometimes I'll make you stronger. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I truly believe yeah. that. And I mean, for those who don't know, I mean, these things are, this stuff, this kind of stuff happens to gym owners all the time. You know, when you're yeah. kind of at the mercy of, you know, it's just the nature of the business. A lot of these warehouse type gyms, you know, they're in industrial areas and you, you can't always depend on having the best landlord, right? Um, you can have yeah. the rug just completely taken out from under you, you know, and in, in this circumstance couldn't have happened to a better coach. Um, but you're going to bounce back better than ever. That new building you got sweet, it's, man. It's crazy. I'm in the world, the warehouse capital of the world, but the warehouses are a million square foot. Yeah. <laughs> I can't afford that. What do you mean? You can't so, fill that with athletes. Come on, man. <laughs> I bet you a lot to do that, but that is, you know, that's where I'm at right now. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get into that, man. I mean, for, uh, t- tell our listeners who may not know who you are, man. Who are you? What do you do? What are you known for, man? Uh, well, I'm Brandon Bird once again. And um, my goal, <clears throat> I like to turn, I like to try train athletes. I, I like to turn ordinary beings and make them do extraordinary things. I want to take these, these regular athletes and put them on another level, you know, this. Cause I was, I'm fascinated the human body. It, it, it's, it's fascinating how much you can improve and the, 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 the things and the speed and the explosive power and the strength that the human body can produce. I'm just, I'm just addicted to it. It's a, it's a game to me. So, uh, so I've been doing this for 20, 20 years, man. It's been right out of college pretty much. Easy Louise. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that, man. Where'd you got, where'd you so, start? So let me, let me go in that a little bit. So, I went to the um, unit. Well, let's start. With, I had a tr- good track coach, Neil Morgan, and uh, he did. He he. Not too many track coaches actually do speed. It sounds crazy, but that's the truth. But we did speed work. He did you know fast sprints with lots of rest. So that was my start. And I uh, walked on the pit because my football team wasn't the greatest in high school, but I was pretty fast. And I wanted to go Division One, so I, 
I remember I toured University of Pittsburgh, went in Pitt Stadium. I'll never forget this. This day might this day was a, a changing event in my life. I came in the tunnel. I seen a jumbotron. I never seen a jumbotron in my life at live. <laughs> ESPN was on it. I'm like then then um Coach Harris. He go, I called Coach Harris up. He met me right away. He goes, oh, right, we'd love to have you. And he, we took a right, went down the tunnel, went in the locker room. Locker room had pine uh, lockers and Ooh. carpet. It was beautiful. I was like, this is D1. I, this is going to be sweet. So I, we went to the weight room. We go, yeah, this is Buddy Morris, man. You're going to be with him a lot. <laughs> and I go, okay, Buddy, what is it? This is, that's a crazy name. And um, I little did I know that that day changed my entire life because that Buddy Morris is one of the best coaches <clears throat> in the entire planet. Yes, he is. And and um, I remember we were lifting one day, and uh, I think it was my max out day. And he goes, I go, Mr. I go, Mr. Morris. He goes, don't ever call me Mr. Morris. My, my mom don't call me uh, Mr. Morris. You call me Buddy. I said, this guy don't play no games. <laughs> he was one of the toughest guys I ever met, but the smartest. But at the same time, in two, 1997, he went to uh, Westside Barbell to meet, to meet a guy named Louis Simmons. And we started doing conjugate. I just I ever ever heard him going. He's making trips to different colleges in Columbus, Ohio. And he got he got Louis Simmons to come to Pitt. And so we started doing conjugate, you know, chains and bands and dynamic effort stuff. And this is back in the '90s, right? You know. And then um, he brought down Charlie Francis to train because he Buddy was a speed guy. Buddy actually ran a, a 10 400 dash. And that was good. That's pretty good for white guys. Absolutely. And we, we would always say we could beat him, but no one on our team could beat him in his prime, you know, and he was 220 pounds. Yeah. You know, is it, was he, this while he was bodybuilding? Or he was, was bodybuilding. He was bodybuilding in college. So I remember, <clears throat> I remember seeing him um, getting ready. I think it was Mr. Pitt. He was Mr. Pittsburgh. Um, right. A couple of years in his fifties. His wife is a professional fitness and bodybuilder. She's amazing. Monica. Um, she's out in there, out in his, his lovely wife, great person. And, um, but buddy, buddy's new speed, but he's all, buddy, buddy, he, he was always seeking out the best guys in the world. And so he went to meet Vladimir Zazorski in Penn state and no, and he, he got him to autograph his book. And that, that is a great coach, back to science, strength training. And he went to visit him twice. I tried to visit him. It's a thousand dollars an hour to talk to him. <laughs> but 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 Buddy said um, nobody at Penn State had ever athletics never talked to him, which is crazy because he's the head of exercise science up there. And then Buddy Buddy brought down the fastest speed guy, Charlie Francis from Canada, Toronto, Canada. And I said, well, there's this, he just said, there's this guy from Canada coming down to train us, and I don't know, it was Charlie Francis. So Charlie Francis ran us do some speed workouts, which is pretty cool. And then after I left, he brought on um, Roger Kingdom, who's a ten-year you know, hurdle champ, Olympian, you know, never lost. Him. So it, he just had he just and he, he brought Dave Tate down. It was just like that's right. That was my education. Like people go, well, how did you get educated? That was my education. That's I got trained trained for those guys. And so here's the one thing: we actually, Buddy actually tried to Olympic lift us for like a for like a month, <laughs> and it just I don't know. I just I we were I that's the only time I ever did the limit of this in my life. But I, I think he's like, this is a waste of time. I can't teach these guys <laughs> this. I'm getting results with this conjugate system and the speed work from Charlie. I don't have to mess with it. And we, he never ever did it entirely. I think I was never did it this day. And so I think a lot of coaches do what they did in college. Yeah. They kind of they might they might change a little bit, but that was their foundation. But I was I'm fortunate. <laughs> 
I had some great coaches to learn under. And what I and Buddy Moore has made a he made that to this day every you know you have college kids they get their summer manuals. Yes, they do. And um, I have I have I call it my graveyard because none of them are really good. It just keeps but, the kids um, busy, man. It keeps them busy. It's busy work. Look, the, the incoming freshman is way too easy, and then but it's way too much condition. We'll go on that later. And then the the lifting is so so soft and so so remedial it's the, you can't get anything out of it i mean i had them from bigger big the big 10 big 10 schools and acc schools i had them all you know i can't really say it's just small schools i have most of my kids are from smaller division ones b2s right. but but buddy I, this is the bait to this day it's the best summer manual i've ever seen and that was my that was my textbook really i mean it had nutrition in there it had speed work it had lifting it had mobility it had condition it had everything in there like that was my textbook I just read it over and over. And then when I, it's funny, I had this kid, um, when my first kids I met at college, when my, right next to my room, this wasn't an athlete, this kid, Matt Schleichman. And he came in about 175, but, you know, he, he got addicted to, to, there's a place called the Original in Pittsburgh. It's the best fries in the world. You get a pound of fries for like three bucks and some cheese with it. And it's a, it's a staple Pittsburgh. They sell hot dogs and pizzas for like $3. So he did, I did these other fries and 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 Permani Brothers sandwich. It's the sandwiches with the um, with the fries on in the sandwich and the coleslaw and the, and the meat. Got to do that. So he put on fifty pounds in college. Oh my goodness! And he wanted to be a fireman. And so he goes, man, Brandon, you trained with Buddy Morris, you know. And, he, and Buddy's getting he's a he, he's one of those friend coaches that actually highlighted on the broadcast. <laughs> which is rare. And so he knew about that. And then um, he goes, you know, train me like Buddy trained me. And so I got to be a fireman. I, I, that was the first guy I ever trained. And um, I, he, he lost about 40, 50 pounds and he made, he's a fireman now. He, <laughs> that's the first guy I ever trained. And so when I got out of school, I said, I know all these great trainers. I, I can actually do this. And I, I went to coach at this high school, certainly high. There was these kids, this, this is tiny school. And which my fastest sprinter right now is from right now, Matty Trout. And uh, I had the, the, the first day I get there, these kids are super slow. They're super skinny. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is going to be – you know, I could have just walked away. But I, the coach goes, are you sure you want to do this? And I say, yeah, I want the challenge. And I, and I had this kid named Frank Lawler and Mike Snowden. Frank, those guys, that, that – the Frank Lawler – this kid was like 140 pounds and ran like a 5'5", 540. I got him down to a uh, like a four six four five. He went to Wake Forest, dude. And the other kid went to, to Florida State, Mike Snow. It was my first two really athletes I messed with. What was he weighing? You said he started at one forty. By the time he ran one, like four one, five or four six and got to Wake Forest, what was he weighing? He was about 180, 180 pounds. You're telling me he Something gained like forty pounds and took yep. a full Absolutely. second off his forty yard dash? Absolutely, 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 absolutely. For the and, for the and, lay it, listener that like that may not know the connection between, how do you think that happened? Can you explain that? Well, a part of the reason, you know, what makes you fast? And I'll go into this a little more. Maybe I mean, now was the time. The the kids don't have. A, well, you need to be strong. You get a, what? This is my. This is what I learned from Buddy Morris, and this is sticks with me to this day. You listen to him speak. This is his mantra. And the best athletes produce the most mass specific force in the shortest amount of time or ever decreasing amount of time. Mm -hmm. And in order to create force, you need to have some strength. 
And and what makes the legs extend, the stents of the legs, the glutes, hamstrings, and lower back, and the calves, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And so those kids are so skinny, they don't, they, they don't have any of that. They have nothing. They had nothing there. <laughs> so and it's so my my thing is I'm gonna build a posterior chain, and that alone, you'll get you're getting mass from that, but it's gonna inc- and exponentially increase your strength. So well, your your body weight to to strength ratio is so high, you know, that's where you create a lot of force compared to your body weight. And you can run faster. And so you have to gain some weight, but you don't, there's a point where you get too heavy. It's very, it's super hard. Like I had Saquon Barkley for a little bit, for a couple of years. And we all know, we all know, well, in high school, he was, I had him, I had him, he's about 140 pounds. There's another example. He was about 150 pounds. Who said you're too small. He was playing receiver. That's why he has some hands. I said, this guy, I never thought he'd be a running back. Wow. He'd be running back. So, he, you know, he, he said, get in the weight room and work out. So the guy, they switched coaches, unfortunately. So they had the the new Catriciani went to Villanova, and the new coach Gilbert came in there. So, I, so he had this guy was this Lehigh's coach uh, Marcosi. He's a pretty good at getting people strong. So Saquon put on fifty pounds, and his forty probably definitely dropped three four tenths. And and um, by the time he got out of high school, he was two hundred fifteen pounds, and he ran he ran like a four five. And then after college, he was a 4'4", four, four, he was 230 pounds. But guess what his squat was? 600, 600 pounds. Yeah, we've he all power, seen those videos of him power cleaning. He power cleaned 400 pounds. His vertical was 41 inches, so you have to gain some weight. So you're, you need that muscle to create more force in a short amount of time. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a, it's, a, it's an art and science. You can do it incorrectly. Weights can make you to a king or they can turn you into a queen. You got to do it right. You got to do it right. So and so, oh, so, go on. Give me a good question. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Go ahead. Uh, and so, like, with with that in that strength manual, had buddy. It had that blueprint. It had it had three methods. It had max effort, which we did. We did. Buddy was kind of the buddy kind of did like a linear thing. We max effort little at towards the end, but it was dynamic effort in there. And so I never got into the cleans. I did dynamic from the get go. And when I first started, I used a linear on my max effort day. I went from I had blocks at 60, 70, 80, 90. And then it was all weight, weight, it was all pendulum waves with the dynamic effort. That was all and I got results that way for years. And um, the reason that Olympic lifting doesn't make you explosive, people think it does. They think make that's a known myth is in the football world, even at the, I think the track world too. It's starting. You listen to Randy Huntington. He said, "I would not do Olympic lifts for my track athletes in America." I've been telling, I do it in China because they only they've done it for years. But the reason it doesn't make you explosive is because that is a speed strength exercise, which is it's usually you're getting points. You're you're lifting a weight speeds at point five, six, seven, eight, nine meters per second. Yeah, it's not an explosive exercise. Explosive, explosive is really fast. It's it's point one, point one two. It's it's actually point one to point two point meters per second. And so I was talking to Huntington. I was talking to Coach Milton. He's my buddy. He's the best sprint coach in Pennsylvania. And they do power claims. Yes, they do. And I said they don't work, but they go, yeah, they go, yes, Brandon. It's, it's too slow. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. But they verified it. He said, and Huntington said they, they move that bar two meters per second. And the same thing Coach Milton said, that bar is moving. And they do such a light weight. It's super fast. That's the only way you can get fast when doing claims. Right. But I think it still, it, it still pales to jumping. Jumping makes you explosive. 
you're 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 if you're building the stretch please like you're shorting that time you, you produce force Another thing, olympic, uh, olympic lifts is a deacceleration sport so once you pull that bar off the ground the higher it goes it slows down it's a that that deaccelerates i don't want to, my athletes do something that deaccelerates and then they, people are so sloppy with the form they don't get triple ascension That's i actually exactly want exactly right i want I people say triple ascension, triple ascension. I want quadruple ascension, which means I want ascension of the hip, the knee, the ankle, and the toe. And the and the top limit lifters will do that, but these football players get so sloppy, they don't. They might get double ascension if they're lucky. And so it's a waste of time. It takes years and years to get to a point where it actually helps. But I still believe. And I, that being said, now those top track coaches, they do they do jumps. And these top Olympic lifters, they the top do Olympic jumps lifters too. do jumps exactly. They do jumps too, and 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 here's where Buddy says it. I might I might sound like a Buddy and Louis Simmons broken record, but I think this is true. They people the NSCA they jam it down your throat. It's Olympic lifting because they want. I think they want these college kids that come out of college when they get retired from their sport. They've been practicing. They want them to flow into the sport of Olympic lifting. So the United States can win some medals. It's all a funnel so they can win that sport. That's what I think it is. And and, and because what happens was in 1976, they said an Olympic lifter beat a sprinter in the 10 meter dash, which could be possible, but, but it, I'm, means I'm, 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 it means nothing. I'm worried about 30 and 40 yards and hundred yards. I'm not worried about no 10 meter dash. You know what I mean? So that's where it comes from. And it's just, it's like Louis Simmons said, it's a bad recipe. The grandma was a bad cook. Mom was a bad cook. The dogs have been bad cook. They just pass it on from generation to generation. It's just, they don't know why it works. They just, they just keep using the same recipe. Absolutely. And that's my thing. It's like, you know, my athletes ask all the time, why do you hate Olympic lifts so much? I don't hate them. I just, we don't, people in our line of work don't have time to waste with the athletes that we have. You know, it's, it's, I I, I got Maddie. I see, I got Maddie trout. She went from a 12, 600 meters to a 12 flat. Never took matter. Never touched a little lift. I had this kid, Sean Peckelson defensive end, 230, 230, 240. Went from a five, one to a four, six, 40 in four, four or five months. He never touched an Olympic lift. And the, the entire time, and so you can get it done without doing it. There's other ways. There's like, I, I was at, but I, I forget to say this. I was at Pitt. I went to visit Buddy Moore's at Pitt, and James Smith was there. He says there's many roads that lead the road. There's many ways to get quicker and faster and stronger and become a better athlete, and that's this, that's proof of it. But here's you the know? deal: it's our responsibility as coaches to always be searching <laughs> for optimal, right? So, like, optimal. I don't want to waste time. I also don't want to spend six months with the broomstick teaching a kid how to catch a um, a, uh, a clean in the bottom position. Um, I don't right. want to have to teach them to keep the bar tight and all that stuff. If I can get them doing a box jump or a vertical or a broad day one, and they start getting faster day one, you know, day one, day one. I, I mean, how how cool is it when you can say your kids put five six inches on their vertical in the first three months of being with you right. that would never happen if they're wasting it their never time happened. learning the technique of a you know practicing with an empty barbell on the olympic lifts when, oh. when i first when i was at pit i ran track too for a couple of seasons and uh my buddy glester he's a rebellious jamaican guy he, he's in atlanta right now but he would always ask the the other kids what they would do and so he, he, this guy had, he had, he had tons of, tons of balls, but he would go, he would, he, now at that time, 
he talked to this guy later, Justin Gatlin. And Justin Gatlin <laughs> has run track. He's been one of the best sprinters in America, the world for years. And Leonard Scott, he goes, what do you guys do? He goes, we run 660s. Fab. I go, he told him what we did. We, we're, we're running conditioning. We're running hundreds and three, four, four, three point four hundreds. We're so I'm never fresh. Body's broken down. Everybody's at shin splints. He goes, what do you guys do? We just do 660s with max rest. I go, okay. <laughs> And I'm like, no, one of you guys are so fast. And they go, oh, we did that stuff in the fall, like in September. We don't do that no more. Right. And their coach is Vince Anderson. So that's where that's where I got my foundation of speed was that. So I did, that's where I graduated high college. I did that. And my 40 was my 40 was down to four. I was like, when I came out, came in and pit, I was like at four, seven, four, six. Buddy got me down that conduit system down to four, five, four, four, nine. And I did that 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 combination I did from we learned from Justin Gatlin. I got down to four three seven back in the day. Holy and so that was that that was that was that was how I kind of implemented implemented that part of um my speed program. That was my speed program for years. So I've been doing that since nineteen. Now years later, in in um, in um, uh, James Smith's book and Charlie's book, that's what they have in there. That's that's the speed the speed training right absolutely there. you know and so that's what i've done for years and that's how i implemented that part of the portion so you said earlier most trap coaches don't do speed why do you that say that is that sounds crazy but that's true explain i i here's another thing I, well most of the high school coaches they're just for one it's like louis simmons said their, their grandma's a bad cook <laughs> their mother's a bad cook they did the same recipe. So they end up, here's what happened. I think what happened was, and Tony Holler says this too, Clyde Hart was the Baylor coach and he trained Michael Johnson who won and had the world record in the 400 and 200. And so his workouts are a ton of tempo running, which is, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Like he'll run like 16, 200s and, and, 12 200s it, it's it's immense and that's kind of and there's there wasn't that much speed and there was speed but not much and so that's what the the united states track coaches started to do because he was this nike but he was the post poster boy for nike so all these track coaches follow that to this day they're, they're never really messing with charlie because the steroids and they were like oh this guy don't know what he's doing but it was like that was and vince's and then some of the top guys don't really share information either and so Every track coach is doing tons of 80, 85% runs. And with speed, you got to run 95% or faster to get faster. It sounds simple. You got to run faster to get faster, right? But people don't realize that. So they'll, they just they think they can run a lot of, you know, semi, semi-fast reps. Yeah, people don't fast. get it, and, man. The body doesn't adapt to the stimulus it never receives. So if you're not exactly. running 100%, you're not going to improve your 100%. Exactly. So just for our listeners to draw that distinction between, you know, when he says that's not speed training, what is speed training is running at max effort. And if max you're not effort. running at max effort, you're not getting faster. And so all these kids, now my kids are going to, they go to try practice next week. It starts, get to the going to do They're going to do, they're going to do uh, 10, 200. Uh, Maddie Kelly, you know, Maddie Kelly. Mm-hmm. He's one of my sprinters. I took her from a 13-4 to a 12-600 and a 12-4 hand on her. He was in a, she took second in my league on a broken foot. But her coach broke her foot. How did he break her foot? The first day of track practice last year, 
she had to do eight 400s on the first day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you can't, you can't run fast that way. Cause the second rep, you can maybe run the first one fast, but everyone's going to be so super slow. Cause you're just too much volume. And that's what these kids get the entire season. And she ended up broken her. She broke her foot. It was just too much volume. They break down. And that's it. It's just, it's That's why, that's why when these, my kids go to college for track, they break down. Because not only high school, they, 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 they believe more and more volume is going to get you to the next level, but really it's more intensity. That's exactly and, and, right. And, and that's what it, you talk to honey. Then he, he only does three or four reps. That's a speed work. His kids, the faster you are, the more force you apply on the ground, you'll break down even faster. So you have to be very careful as, as the faster someone gets. Hamstrings could pop off. It is, but that's why. They, and 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 the NSCA is 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 says you got to do these 300 meter shuttles. So a lot of these track coaches are like, here's another thing too, they don't. Everybody's afraid to do speed year round because they think it's dangerous too, and so and they think you can only peak out one point of the year so they'll do they may do speed work that might be might be with three or four weeks before championships when you need to do speed work all year round because it only lasts five days three to five yeah. days and that's the problem people are scared they're, they're oh i'll peak out too early there's no such thing as a peak you should be peaking out a couple times a month or maybe once every month like jared benny does in georgia they peak he peaks his kids once a month there is no peaking out and they and they decline you know, because he's monitoring all the all the uh, that's the conjugate system. The conjugate system, it, it, I, I, this, Louis says it all the time. Every week you got to know how fat, how strong someone is, how fast they are, what their weaknesses are. And so once you you know that, and you're always testing. You know which way to dr- drive the training, and that's and that's how these guys like Bindi, you and these track coach and Huntington, they all these guys, oh, anybody good, they can get these kids quicker on a consistent basis. Absolutely. So let's, I mean, let's yeah. break that down, man. I mean, you've had anybody who knows who you are, you're, you're considered one of the best track and field coaches, you know, um, I would say unaffiliated track and field coaches in, <laughs> in the nation, man. And, uh, I mean, you're putting out results, dropping hundred yard dash 200, 400 times. Um, you've dealt with distance guys, um, lots of team sport athletes as well. Football, soccer, you got a lot of softball kids. And the one thing, man, I th- that you, I would say from the, you know, the outside looking in, um, what you do really well, what I know that you're known for is speed and jump. So making kids more explosive. What, why yeah. do you think that is? What did it, what is it about your system that let's is producing such in, amazing results? Let's go in the net. I, I grew up in the nine eighties and nineties. There's, there's, you know, I'm big, big in hip hop fan. Eric B. Wright Kim, one of my favorite rappers, Godfather. He said, he, he, <laughs> I love this quote he said in this song called New York, You Out There. He goes, he goes, techniques, he goes, antiques. Um, well, he, he goes, he says, techniques never grow old, they become antiques. And and everybody, what I'm doing, I, I've just took in the stuff the Russians did in the 40, 50s and 60s. They were old techniques. They didn't grow old. They're just antiques now. Right. They're good things. And so th- when I came out of college, I said, um, I got to do plyometrics. What I did is I, as, I, as I studied what the Russians did. I, here, here's a funny other thing, too. I was at the University of Pittsburgh, and um, I had a buddy. I didn't know how – I knew he was good, but I said, I want to become the fastest guy. So I went to the bookstore. I said, let me get a book. 
So I got this book called in the pit books. I look, it said explosive. There's a book called explosive running. And then, and the author was Dr. Yeses and Dr. Yeses invented the term plyometrics. And he, and I read that book. That was my, that was my first speed training book I ever got. And he basically, him and Fred Wilk coined the term plyometrics. And he basically talked to Gary versus Spiroshansky and, and basically studied the sock, tra- sock training method. And so there's videos of that old videos on YouTube. I saw the variations. Now, early on in my training, when I started doing this professionally, the 10 years my, at, at, at another facility, I would do jumps. I would do a lot of jumps. And I, and I, I knew the jumps would, were the key. Because I didn't know I'd love to lift. I had to do something dynamic. And so um, I had my speed work ingrained. And I would get two two tenths, three tenths. But one, I wasn't happy with. I would I would get two tenths off in a forty or three tenths in, in three months. And I was like, that's that's pretty good, you know. He's getting that. And then I would get two or three inches. That was my goal: get two tenths and three inches off in, in three 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 months. But I was like, that there's got to be a better way. So I've always been trying to research these jumps. So I, I talked to Doctor Yeses. I talked to the Russians. And it comes down to the same thing. People, and this I learned this from Lily Simmons. I met Louis because what Buddy did, he Buddy, I met, I went to meet Buddy, and he goes, "You got to meet." I was studying Louis, but he goes, "You got to meet Louis." Got to go, go tell him you know me. So I went down to Louis, and he goes, "Cause I listened to Louis on a, on a, on a um, podcast that he was, and he said, "I get girls up in fifty five inches on a box." I'm like what? And I said, "How? I, you got to show me. Louis got to tell me what you're doing." And so it's, it was actually. Down simple. He was he's max effort jumps on it. They they jump they max out their jumps. They, like I was jumping for years, but I was never maxing it out. We were doing like eighty percent. Like you put a box, then they can put up in a box forty. I put a box there on uh, a thirty two inches. They're never maxing out their they're jumping, but they're not maxing out. And so Louis has Louis. The secret is you got to max out their jumps. So I actually when I went to Louis, I was like, God, that makes sense. The only way to jump higher is to jump high. <laughs> Training 100% increases your 100%. It's training 100%. You gotta, the way it makes you jump high is, you again, you got to produce more mass-specific force in an ever-decreasing amount of time. And when when a kid, there's three phases, but he taught me this too. I mean, it's in every t- textbook, you know, super training, whatever. There's, there's every motion has, the, each contraction is three contractions. There's eccentric, there's, a, there's isometric and uh, amortization phase, and then there's contract phase. The faster you can go through those phases, the better you're going to run and jump. And so I see it all the time. If you have a force plate, you can definitely see that. And so in order to drive that up, you need to continue to jump high to, to shorten that curve. And 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 that's what kind of happened over years and years. I said, let me keep – and then you got to change these jumps too. These All these jumps – my jumping is conjugate too. At first, I just had some remedial box jumps, but – Athlete, and here's the thing with speed too. Speed, you now there, there's I call I divided to it, and it, Coach Milton calls it power. There's power and elastic jumps, and and, and plyometrics is really is really people actually mix the two up. And Buddy Morris says it all the time. People just if you jump in a box, it's not plyometric. Plyometric is you coming, you're falling out of the sky, you hit the ground, and you have a quick amortization phase, you get off the ground as high as you can. Mm-hmm. But people, they they bastardize jump plyometric, they, and it's, they just do box jumps. But you know they're both important. But you got to you know do both. Now for for this world of sprinting, 
sprinting is plyometric too. So when that foot comes down to the ground, it hits the ground and there's a quick amortization phase, usually 0.9 for sprinters, or, and when you say bolts, like 0.08, it comes off the ground so fast and it springs off the ground. That is plyometric activity. And so that's why the jumps have to be tied and they're going to help your athlete get faster. And so we do bounds. That, that's something in the, that if you look at the, um, you look in Barry Shansky's book called The Strength Training for at, um, Coaches, I mean, it's, if in there, there's 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 long bounding in there. There's bounds. There's there's depth jumps, and that's not something that people get into. They just do box jumps, and you gotta you gotta have a you have a variety of toolbox of jumps to create speed because if you gotta do power, you get the power jumps are gonna get you out of the blocks 10, 20, 30, maybe 40 yards. But as you get, I'd say 10, 20, 30. Once you get to the 30, 40, 50, 60, and on, you gotta do more elastic things like bounding and depth jumps to create that that quick spring you gotta create springs you can put springs in your athlete's ankles that's what you're trying to do and so over years and years and years and years and again i began to see the times go down three i wasn't satisfied with two tenths now i wanted three tenths and then when i had three tenths off in the four they wanted to get four tenths and then i was like that's not good enough i want to get five maybe six tenths and that's what happened like the, the kid peckelson went down you know Pretty much in five tenths in, in five months. And, and it was a lot of jumping. I talked to Coach Milton, one of the best track coaches again, and, and I, we were talking to him for a couple hours ago. He goes, most of my work is not even sprinting. It's not even that much lifting. It's a lot of jumping. I said, that's exactly what I do. We do a lot of jumping. That, and that, that is the most important part for an athlete because you're, you're, tra- you're transferring that, that, that maximal effort strength into elastic and power. Quickly, the athlete needs to use trans use that do that create that force quickly. That's what the jumps do. And then the sprinting, it's gotta be it's, you gotta sprint. That's a, there's no activity you can duplicate in a gym. You can't you can't. It's just too fast. So you have to sprint. Just you know, if you don't do that, because it's really five times the set. Well, I'd say four to seven times ground body weight ground reaction forces. You can't get that on a bar. You may, even if you max out three times your body weight, it depends in comparison to a sprint where you're getting five times. So really, a strength, sprinting is a strength exercise too. It's a strength exercise, and those two things help my kids get faster. It's like you got to have a good toolbox, all those things to get it, get it done, to get the knock these times off. And then over years and years, I when I first started, it was it was I had to figure this stuff out by myself. I, I, I just started with the vertical jump. Let me, let me go to the vertical jump. Then it was like my broad jumps were good. My record broad, I train a lot of girls. My record broad jump was for girls with seven seven feet. And for my boys, it was like I had I made maybe one or two guys over 10. Let me do some research and fix the ability of the broad jumps. Now, if I don't get a girl that jumps seven, it's it's like um it's it's a joke. Because most <laughs> I, I I got about 25 five girls in jumping eight feet. That's incredible. And then I got, I got about, tw- I got about, I probably got about 25, well, about 20 kids jumped over 10 feet. I mean, during the COVID year, I had more control. I had about 10 kids jumping over 10 feet. And so it was, but that was, a, now that, that is horizontal power. That, that's going to get you out of the 40 yard dash start or the blocks. I was actually, um, I showed one of my, I showed Coach Milton a, um, Maddie Trout's, um, 100, her first couple of steps aren't that great. And he goes, 
you need a broad jumper more. I go, how'd you know that, dude? Because <laughs> this guy's a genius. He goes, you brought her. I go, here, she needs a broad jump nine feet, eight, eight feet. And then she's like, she's jumping seven feet. So there it is. You have that's a part of the sprint. You can't, you can't get on the blocks that way. And so that was my that was my so I took it one time things with time. Then I started messing with depth jumps. There's nothing really on depth jumps. I do a ton of depth jumps. And um I just kind of had to experiment with them by myself, do it <laughs> because there's just nothing really solid out there. And then I had to see what elastic things bounds. That nobody just there's not really nobody really bounds. Is it the, the good track coaches do, but I do the bounds. And so it's really something that I come up with this trial and error for years. I mean, I, I call my gym a lab. I've just been doing it for years and years and years. But now we're not, now it's cool they have technology now. I can I can measure it. But that's kind of how I got I got honed in the speed. And I've all I love track and field. I love speed. I, it's just a passion of mine. It's just I could just go. <laughs> Man, I it's I'll, I here's the thing too. What can you do with the? You get a good athlete like Saquon Barkley. He, it's easy. What can you do with the worst, the, the terrible athlete? I wanted to. I get pride on taking the worst athlete and making them better. Wow. <laughs> I got. I got a kid. I don't know if you met him when you come up here. He was um, Lucas Nesnik. He plays baseball. Kid was 125 pounds, 130 pounds, and ran a, a nine, a nine two second sixty dash. Which is like my girls, all my girls could do that. And he could squat 110 pounds. And, um, you know, like, if you're, not, if you're training, on, a buddy says, if, if your training program is not on point, that kid is, it, kid's not gonna do nothing. But I got him down to a 7160 now. And um, this, it, it, it's like, and then the vertical jump, and his vertical jump was like 14, 13 inches. <laughs> I mean, all my girls could do that blindfolded with one leg almost <laughs> and he he but now he jumps 30 he jumps 30 now as he was um he's I, we do baseball test the swing with the radar gun his swing was 59 miles an hour now he hit 80 and Jeez. so now the now the kid can actually play now he's actually he's actually one of the best kids on the team now you know what i mean so like but that kid had, had no shot he had no shot he actually he, he actually benched 175 he started at the bar <laughs> he started the bar and see that made me it, it, now he's now what, what makes you proud he my my kids actually coach too and so now he's actually coaching people how to bench that's but like he, the most it's gratifying good. thing in the world i saw him there's a little girl i trained she's 11 jocelyn stroll he's teaching her how to bench now but but he, that's but he can do that because he's come a long way he's come from a, the bar to 175 and i got a monster Baseball player from the same school, Brock Bollinger, who um, that dude was, um, he was running like a seven eight sixty. I got him down to a, a six nine. His vertical went from twenty four to thirty eight. His swing went from seventy to ninety nine. And uh, he's his bench is on one eighty five, and this kid Lucas caught up to him on the bench, which is which is unfathomable. And, and and that kid Brock led the state in RBI, so it just shows like the conjugate system can do for sports like baseball. But over the years, you know, I I was experiment. I, I always with the conjugate system. They, what what Louis gives you is kind of template. You got to take that program and you kind of kind of you got to kind of make it work for. It's powerlifting, but you got to make it work for. You got to kind of 
reverse. What I did is I reverse engineered it. I tried. I figured out what exactly Max Effort does. What exactly Dynamic does. What what repetition does. What does what exercises does a baseball player or a softball player need? They need to have rotational power. They need they need a lot of throwing. They need to develop the shoulder. The shoulders need to be strong. Need to protect them. They need to be elastic in the shoulder to throw fast. They need rotational power to swing fast. Sprinters, you know, they need to be strong, but they 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 need they need to be fast too. So they got to do jumping is highly important. Sprinting is is, you're going to do a lot more spring with it. Now, if you got a um, you got a wrestler, they might not need as much sprinting because there's no sprinting in the sport. You know, you, you got you know, and they're you know they're they're not. Jumping is important because they're 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 shooting the legs, all that type of stuff. So you got it. What I've done is I've kind of manipulated years and years. I've I've manipulated and reversed it and try to specify what the how the conjugate system works for each sport. And that's what they did in Russia. Russia had what happened in Russia. They had scientists. They went to the Olympics. They studied the sport, and then they came back and and each and they paired the scientists with certain sports. Baseball, wrestling, track and field, Olympic weightlifting, and the scientists began to make the conjugate system work for each sport. They were actually competing against each other. They weren't working together with each other. They were they were kind of like, oh, I'm gonna beat this guy. I'm gonna be better than this guy. But Yuri Vashkanshi was the triple jump coach, and the, and the, he was the jumps coach, high jump, high long, and triple. And so he that's why he made those jumps, and so he became the most famous one. And that's what happened. But so I kind of. But I've I've been kind of combining with all those 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 um, those conjugate coaches, concurrent sequencing system coaches we're doing over there, and do it in one 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 club. Right. His club was the Dynamo. His club was the Dynamo Club. My club's the Bird Sports Performance Club. <laughs> the Bird's Nest, man. <laughs> the Bird's Nest. And so, and so for years and years, let's go back to this too. When I was at Pitt, we didn't really do box squats. We just we did chains and bands. We did dynamic effort. But so when I got to school. I had, I had started doing, I actually started out with box squats and then chains because I didn't, there, there weren't that many racks back in that day, back in the day to hook bands to. And so I had to figure it out. So for, so I started out, I said, these box squats are awesome because what they do is they break up the eccentric concentric train. And what they do too, which I love, they, they don't get a sore. Because when you're training right. athletes, they're, they're, they're practicing, you know, it. they're practicing two, three, four days a week. They gotta only way to get buddy says this too. You gotta only way to get better at the sport and a certain G, there's GPP and SPP. You gotta get you got it's technique the sport. The only way to get better at the sport is do the sport. And so they're practicing on time. There's no periodization is dead. And that's because back in the day when I first started this, I had a baseball player, they would or a football player, they would stop football and they would train, you know, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. And I could periodize month by month, block by block. And they have the season again. Now there's there's seven to seven. There's spring ball. Like you can't. There's no block training no more. You can't periodize like no more. And so you got to basically the conjugate system. I can just I can just hop in and hop out of it. Well, they stay ready, so they don't got to get ready, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I had these box squats. They don't. I could, man, I I got to train these kids. I can't get them sore. And so that's why the box squats are key. And then they're number two. They're you come in that box, you're taking away the kinetic energy. So the nervous system has to work way harder to get it off from a dead start than a, than a, than a static start. Well, it's basically the static overcome a dynamic method. 
And so it's basically training, then training the nervous, nervous system too. And that will blow your jumps up. But people, I think West Side gets a bad name because it's just a powerlifting thing. But, you know, uh, um, Pavel Dusseline did that. They, it was in Russia. This is an old, old thing. He's not necessarily a powerlifter, but that's where Louis got the box spots from was Pavel. And, and Pavel's training athletes. And so that the box squat came from that, really, in Russia. And then, uh, um, so it, it dries up your explosive power tremendously. And that's why I, you know, I, I swear by box squats. I, I, here's my, one thing I did different with different coaches. I don't like, I don't care. I'm trying to make these kids athletes. I want them to run faster, jump higher, swing the bat faster, throw faster. I'm not trying to put them in a contest. I don't care how they, I don't care if they can free squat. Because my kids buy squat so much, they can't free squat well because their quads are weak. I don't really care about that. I want them to perform in the field. So I just keep them on that box. I'm a, I, I, here's another thing, too. You come off that box, and Caldeep says this, too. That what makes someone fast is that emulation phase. Right. You need that. If you have a fast car, get any fast car, Corvette. Mercedes, BMW, it's got it's got stiff springs, it's got stiff suspension. So you need to have some stiffness in the tendons. That's what makes you rebound and off the track fast or off the basketball court and jump high. You start free squatting too much, you stretch the patellar tendon and you lose some you lose some tendon stiffness. And that's why a lot of football players they deep squat. They don't really necessarily get they get they get stronger, but they might not there's they get a little faster because the muscles are they get more force, but the tendons are you lose tendon stiffness, you're losing free energy. And that's why I don't too much now. A lot of the track coaches are starting to buy spot too now. You watch it, you watch on online online enough. But they know that too. And that's why they don't they don't they don't they don't full squat either. Because you stretch that patella tendon, you use joint stiffness, and that will kill your speed. And so, and so that's why the box squats are key. So I started doing box squats back in 2001, 2002. My buddy actually rigged, he fit, we, we welded some, some hooks onto some, as we started using dumbbells, we had dumbbells, heavy dumbbells we, we tied the bands to. We started using bands. When I, when I first did it, did dynamic day, I didn't, I did diet, you know, I, I thought that the stretch reflex had to be developed, that reversal strength had to be developed without the box. But, so we would actually direct effort with bands and no box for years. And then I just let me just try the box. But what really happens, the, the stretch reflex lasts for three or four seconds. It doesn't go away. Even if you pause in that box, you can come up just as fast. The stretch reflex does not dissipate. It takes about four or five seconds. And Louis says this all the time. That's what he's talking about. And so I've I've had kids um you know, you know, they don't they can they have a quick amputation phase it's just from box squatting. So I'm I'm I it took away my fear. I took years to break that fear, but I, I've done it over years. That's why I stay on a box the the entire time. And now also then I, later on I kind of I kind of went into um I went into the posterior chain a little more. So I started out with a um little old little scout hyper. <laughs> So the Brett Harris hyper was a million bucks lap back in the day. <laughs> and and that is my staple because that, that thing is an awesome machine. It, it builds the uh, lower back, glute, upper hamstring. It, it essentially the hip. And so when my kids, they go, what does this do? And so I stand there 
and I pretend like I'm running in slow motion. I sweep my leg backwards. I go, see that? In my leg, but the glute is thin and low back extending my leg. That's what this hyper does. If you get started with this, you can you can you can extend your leg backwards and run faster and jump higher. I that your another example. Watch my hips. When I jump, my my glute extends my 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 legs. I can jump in the air. Like, oh, that makes sense. What kind of and loads so are you that, using on the hyper? Um, I do. Here's another thing too. I have one of those row hypers. I think it's it's so. Uh, it's so greased up. It, it swings so freely. I, it's actually easier than the old ones. So I actually throw it. I throw it. I, here's what I, I do. A lot of girls too. My I expect my girls to be able to do six. Well, let's say yeah, six forty-five on there. I got so tired of. Well, I have some weak kids, young kids. I train kids down to seven years old. You have to be able to do basically four plates to get on my hyper. You have to do, I have my hunters on there. You have, you have to be able to do the hunters. You can't get on my hyper. We have the same pulse. Unless you get, get us on there. It's the most miserable it's, thing to load up, so I don't want to take all that weight off it's, there. It's, yeah, it's, it's miserable to load up because I don't want to hold back roles like Maddie Kelly, Devin Laska, one of my best softball players who squatted 300 pounds. She played, and, and she, she runs, she goes to Hoffer. She's a catcher. She's 160 pounds. And she runs a two a two five home to first, and she she had that she had so many forty fives in that thing you couldn't put no more on there. Same with Maddie Kelly. Maddie Kelly can do it. What now? What I there's the thing about the hyper. You got to be disciplined to really get the results on it. You yeah, got to you got right. people. You got to kind of go downward slow, and 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 slow the eccentric down. And what happens to kids? They you got to do a lot of reps in that thing. I do I do 25, 30, 40 reps at a time. My kids. That's why they hate. How it. do you make that make sense to your kids who are just like my kids loathe it. They do it uh, <laughs> at least twice a week, um, and they're right. hitting thirties, forties, fifties on there. Um, right. Man, they like to complain. How do you make that make sense to them? I tell them this, and this is what Louie told me: the back. That the back is comprised of ligaments and tendons. Like if you hurt your back, you won't bleed because there's right. so little little blood. There's so little blood flow in the uh, the, the ligament tendons, and so you need to do a lot of reps of any exercise to build ligaments. It's a soft tissue thing. You got to build a lot of reps to build the strength in the back, and um, also the glute. It's, you need hypertrophy in the group, so you got to do a lot. You, it, 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 for, that's the burn you feel. You won't get a burn if you do ten reps in the hyper. You're going to feel no burn, right? Unless you're unless you're doing like a, some slow eccentric stuff, and it's like a couple reps. But so you need to do a lot of reps. And what happens is, then they get it. It's like okay, now I feel it. But the but the but but the buy-in is when they see themselves run faster and jump higher exactly. and squat more and squat more. And 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 then I go I go look at my go look at Maya Kelly. They're like, oh wow, she's so she's so good. But she never started out that way. She she was a hundred. She was she was this is a 13, 400 meter sprinter. She's vertical nineteen. She she could she was kind of strong. She deadlifted one eighty five. And then she squatted uh one she squatted one forty five. But you look at that hyper, and you can't put no more plates on that thing. And that's and then I go. That's why she's so strong and so fast. And I go. You want to be like her? You got to get to that level. And they're like, okay, okay. That and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll do it. It's like Louis said. You got to be willing to die for this to get to the next level. So and you, so, but so I have, so I have examples on that. Let's see, 
So you've trained, man, thousands of athletes at this point over the last two decades. What, when you're dealing with, you know, maybe late middle school to high school level athletes, what is that, what are the top, maybe one or two things when you're doing your needs analysis, you know, that you would say that every majority of these kids are lacking? What is that weakness that you're trying to address first and foremost? That's a good question. Is it strength-wise? Is it is it overall? Is it like... Well, yeah. I mean, overall, you know, we we're talking about the role of jumping, you know, and, and well, bounding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Let's, again, it goes back to who can produce the most force, mass-specific force, never decreasing amounts of time. And so the thing I see, I mean, I could just close my eyes. <laughs> Every football player comes in my gym in high school. They can, I mean, they, they vertical like 22 to 25 inches. And they run like a 5'4", five, 5'3", five, yep. 40. And they broad jump, like I can almost call it, out of, I can just call it. It's like 7'6", broad jump, 8 broad jump. I just, this is all, it happens all the time. I, <laughs> I mean, I just almost have to say no. And so what happened is those athletes have the same characteristics down. I've done so much testing. They have they they can get in my hyper. They only have like two plate. They only have like two forty five in there. They have no posterior train. And by the strength of and I go I go you're just you're just you're just not strong. So I get them on my I, I test their squat. They can barely squat two two twenty five, and they weigh like these kids weigh like one hundred seventy pounds. That's unacceptable. And and it's like what do you guys been doing? And and and, and here's what's bastardized too. They they you can, there's many ways to squat. But it's skewed because the, the high school, if you're not using a, the good thing about a box, you can squat consistently the same depth every time. But what happens is as these kids get heavier, they squat heavier and heavier, the depth goes higher. And they, and they have a false sense of reality of what they can really squat. For instance, Pecklesen came to me and he goes, oh, I ran a, first of all, he goes, and I go, I, goes, I, ran, a, I ran a 4 8. I need to get faster. I clock him and ran a 5 1. <laughs> Get in the hyper. <laughs> oh, I can only I, I can only do I can only do I can only do two forty five three forty fives. Maddie Kelly does ten. You see, his eyes get real big. What the hell? And then I vertical jump him. He jumps twenty five. I'm like, okay, okay, dude. And then and then he he um he I go I go. What do you squat at school, man? He pulls the video. Out. It's five hundred and fifteen pounds. I'm like that don't make. He goes he goes doesn't doesn't make any sense. He pulls the video out. He's on this. He's squatting on a bench pad that's super high. I go and squat max test him. He was only squatting like three thirty <laughs> when I put him at the correct depth. And so now that made more sense. Like, go, you weigh two thirty five, and you squat three thirty five, dude. That's why you ain't you're running you're running like the four nine. No, you're running five one, and your vertical twenty. It makes more sense. Because it was, you know, so it's it's a whole bunch of things. <laughs> they don't, they, it's all those things combined. It's all the problems I see. People are, people are, these, this is the problem with team training. Everybody does the same thing under the same philosophy. So some athletes get their needs met, some don't. Football players, for one, they don't do any posterior chain work. Uh -oh. They don't jump. They don't jump, so they're not, 
they're Olympic lifting. They're thinking they're getting a rate of four or six or five, which they kind of are, but they aren't getting the best one. So they're not working on shortening that, that the time they produce force. They're definitely, they don't do speed work. So they're definitely not working on that, you know, rate of force exercise either. And they're definitely not getting stronger because they're not hitting the muscle that stand the hip and the knee. Because if you squat too high, you're not working the knee, the knee extensors. You're squatting, and if and if you're not, there's just there's that doesn't push your chain exercise don't exist in high school. It just don't even in college, it just don't exist. So that is, I, I tell people, you know, they come to me, and they go, man, Brandon, what can you do? Like I want to get better, and they go, um, I go, well, this is the problem with team training. Everybody's doing the same thing. And they're doing blocks. They're not getting. Here's what's missing. You're not getting any speed work. You're not getting the. You're not. Getting, you're not getting explosive work, jumping. You're doing power cleans. And you're not. You're and you're, and, and you're not doing any posterior training, which, which is going to drive your strength to the roof. And so it's a disaster. And that's why I say an athlete training at the school can never reach their potential. And it's sad. It I, is sad. I had four kids at the local high school. They played football. They come to me. They were they're running the five one forty again. They come in like this is like clockwork. They they jump twenty five. It's just they um you know they they broad jump about eight nine, which is pretty decent. They run they run a five flat. I go and test them. Their basically squat is like one point eight times body weight, <laughs> which is my girls can do that. Right, I a lot of girls. And so I said, this is the problem. Like you've been doing this lifting, you're not really strong. And you're just, and just no, it does you no good to be strong in the wrong places either, you know? And so once I blow that, that strength up, they, they, those kids all went down, I get them all down to a four five forty. They all quit though, because once they, once they, they had to go back to the school and lift, they went back up, they went back up to four nine quickly. It, it, oh, it was like goodness. within a month. Isn't that the most came, aggravating thing in the world? It's, it's like clockwork. I mean, and then they came back in because tracks didn't happen. They went back down to four or five. It just it happened. You do the wrong thing. If you're going, if I'm going to Bakersfield, <laughs> and I get a run eighty, and I just hop on eighty one, and I take a wrong turn, it's going to be way longer to get to the promised land than 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 it should. Come on, <laughs> rather well, going straight straight one it's, shot. It's crazy, man. I mean. We get these athletes that are like, oh, my team's starting back up, uh, you know, spring ball or whatever, and, and we're going to be in the weight room three days a week. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to drop out. I'm like, well, at best, you're going to get the same results as everyone else. At worst, your right. needs won't be met at all and you'll regress, you know, and right. we see it every, every uh, postseason, the kids who leave prior to their season starting, they show, they come back and they're super discouraged. Their heads are down. I've got a bunch of football players coming back to me right now. Their vertical jumps are five inches lower than when they left. You know, their 40 yard dash times are three, four, five tenths of a second slower than when they left see it. because they're not training it. optimally. And so what I'm hearing you say, man, is correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, strength seems to be the limiting factor in, in your it populations is. and the kids who are strong are typically strong in the wrong areas um, yes. for athletic performance. That kid Pendleton was now this force is different. It's created different postures. That dude was squatting so high he was strong at the top. Yeah, but at a certain point he was missing. Like what at the, at the parallel box squat to get off that box, you have to have some strong hamstrings and right. a strong BMO. 
And so he wouldn't, when I, I, I got him on my, this, this is my test too. I think you, you asked me that. My test is the vertical broad. And I just tell you what the number I need to see. And, but but my, real, my real true test is that squat. I can see, I can tell where you, I can tell where your muscular biomechanical breakdowns are. And so that the dudes are slow, they they miss that, they don't squat low enough, they're missing that the hamstring. And what what I did, I threw him on my inverse curl or glue ham, whatever. He was terrible <laughs> because he was number one, it wasn't hitting it enough. And number two, he wasn't getting it from the squat by squatting low enough. And so he was strong, but he was strong in the wrong places. So I said, I said, get on that thing and get in the hyper and inverse curl, and you're gonna, you're gonna, we'll just, we'll just chase the weaknesses out, you know. And the, he hated it, but it, 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 he got him the promised land. It's never fun <laughs> training your weaknesses, man. I mean, they're weaknesses for a reason, right? Because you neglected them for so long. Um, now, Bird, you, you train a lot of female athletes. Um, correct me if I'm yes. wrong. A lot of track and field sprinters. Uh, a yes. lot of softball softball players. You got some volleyball yes. players in there. Any sports I'm missing? Uh, soccer, yeah. A lot Basketball, of soccer. I mean, all all of them. Oh all man, them, soccer's man. like the most difficult sport. This is in this my is, this is the way it is. Oh, it, my is. Gosh. it is. It is. It is. My the only thing lazier than, 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 than on this planet is cats because cats sleep <laughs> like eighty percent of their life. <laughs> boys basketball players made boys soccer players. Them 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 cats. They do not train. <laughs> well, that's you know what think, it is. That's why, that, that, that's why I think the NBA has so many injuries because these kids don't really train in high school. Oh my gosh! In the weight room until they get to college, and and then definitely it's the pros. But the pros are so scared to get them hurt, they don't really train hard either. Every soccer girl I've trained knows, like off the top of my head, a friend that has torn an ACL in the last year. Absolutely, absolutely unacceptable, right? At one acceptable. But but I, hey, you cannot convince me that it's not correlated to the fact that the only time I hear from my athletes, I you know, uh, hey, my coach told me, and I get this from parents too. Parents are like, my uh, my soccer my my kid's soccer coach was telling the team to be careful weight training because they'll get bulky and slow. I only get that from soccer coaches. Go. That is the I've I, and I've probably gotten it multiple handfuls of times in my short tenure coaching, you know, and there you got you can't convince me that's not correlated to the injury rates. That's just bizarre. There you go. That's the thing. In America, they aren't taught they don't teach you they don't teach weight training properly. Like Louis says, I'll never read an American author. But that's the that's that's the that's the textbooks. It's like Three sets of ten. Three sets of ten. Yeah. Now that will that will bulk you up. I I had this. I have a I have a soccer player. My one of my good soccer players. She went to school. This is college now. I had her fast. She's a center back, which is like must be one of the fastest players on mm-hmm. um, the team. They play right in front of the goalie. She goes to school, and she starts right away. But over time, she's not playing now because she's too slow. What I, what do you guys do in the weight room? We do four sets of ten. She bulks up. She gets she she's right. bulked up a little bit, and and then her dad goes, I go I go I bet she's not as strong as she used to be. Oh no no she's the strongest of the team. Well yeah she was she was squatting two sixty five when she left, but she did that she did that bodybuilding workout that repetition method too much. Right. 
she did her she she was the strongest of the team. Her strength is she declined. So she she come back in, she squatted 185. And she's a 140-pound girl. She's not like a small girl, but she's not she's not she's tall, she's five nine. And um I go, there's your problem there. You're doing this repetition method. All that's all you're doing, four to ten versus ten. Then I go, what do you guys do? Do you guys jump? No, we do power cleans. Oh, I, I get the best power clean the t- power clean in the team. I I I can power clean 165. I, okay. Don't like, matter, man. It, I go, I, I go test her. I had her jump up to 25 or 26. Her, I, I go, I go, they have, this school has the jump mats. I, I, I they don't test them though. I, I go and test her. Her jump is like 20. Oh, geez. <laughs> I go, what do you guys do? Oh, we have a five day a week condition test. The first day is six three-yard shuttles. The second day is as a three-mile run. The third day is 2040s. The fourth day is another mile and a half. And the fifth day is 2110s. I said, you're running, you're running too slow. And only get faster is to run fast. If Listen, coaches <laughs> were held accountable to the results that they like if they tested often, like we do, those yeah. coaches would lose their jobs too and stuff like that. They would. The problem with soccer, it's one of the oldest sports in, in the world. But that's they 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 intermittently these rules and the intermittent these the metrics and the and the stats. The stats are there's not many stats in that sport. They don't use metrics. They don't. But the a center back this blows my mind and bugs me too. The center back there's there's no like in football there's interceptions. Basketball there's steals. A center back has no stats to it. They called it. They, they said, "Yeah, there is. It's a blank sheet. How many goals they didn't let up?" Right. But there's no way to tell. It's it's all subjective. And so, I had soccer players. I trained a soccer club too. They came in. The coach forced them to come in. I knocked off three three or four tenths off in, in in five or six weeks. And then they went to. They had to go play club soccer. Play club soccer condition. They had the now soccer. The recruiting thing is the ID camps, identification camps. Right. You would think they would clock a forty with a stopwatch at least at these camps. Nope, they just eyeball it. Then they go. The, the kids got slower when they left. Coaches always. I hear this all the time. You're just too slow. <laughs> they, don't, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't put a time to it. They just eyeball it. And so that sport, you have to really train speed. But it's hard because the coaches. Our control, they condition the kids so much it kills their speed. And I'm, I'm, I'm at a, it's, it's a, it's a national, it's a worldwide pandemic. People condition too much. They, here's the thing: they think, they think they are losing these games because the kids. Now, my girl Eric, my, my, when my, my girl, um, my soccer, my college soccer player, she, her name is Erica. She, the coach, they lost the game. They condition. They go, all right, don't. Don't come to practice. Come to practice. There's no soccer balls. We're just gonna run the whole week. He just he ran them. This is a college coach. He had ran them the whole week because they lost the game, and they were sore. And they lost the next game. <laughs> like what? That what? What sense does that make? So these coaches, they think they lose the game because their kids are out of condition. No, it's because the kids, they are faster, and more skilled, and they have more speed, <laughs> and that's why they lose these games. <laughs> The faster you are, you can play at a slower pace. If I run at 22 miles an hour and I play a team and I and I can just be chilling in the game running 20 miles an hour and I play a team that runs at 20 max effort, 
I'm going to wear that team down no matter what condition they ever done. And that's the problem with soccer. They, they, <laughs> they got it all backwards. That's what, and buddy says they train the wrong bioenergetics of, of the sports. They, they, they train the aerobic system. It should be, it's really soccer is an anaerobic a lactic sport. It's really a lot of short runs of four to six seconds, just like football. It's the same thing. Well, and this is a this is a common theme with a lot of conjugate style coaches is one of the ways that I think kind of sets us apart, like uh, pedagogically, you know, like it, with our the methods that we use is we are solely concerned. We have like this laser focus on maximum outputs, whereas the yes. Western world is more about like what you can do for longer. Right. Irrespective of, you know, the percentage of the, the, the proverbial gas tank you're actually using per sport action. Right. So, right. um, we understand that if we improve their maximal output, getting a kid to running a 24 mile, running 24 miles an hour or something, they're running 20 miles an hour is going to be simple. You know, they can do that like a maintenance uh, speed. Whereas if 20 miles an hour is their max, they're not going to be able to chill at 20. You know, they're going to chill at 15, 16. And so, you know, I get this all the time. Like parents are like, you know, we don't, uh, maybe we can just chill on the maxes in season, you know? And I'm like, I'm I'm like, you are so focused on the wrong thing. You know, if we want to improve a 225 rep uh, bench, bench press test, we're going to improve their maximum strength so that 225 is a smaller uh, smaller drop in the bucket. You know exactly, exactly. That's why I had the, um, Mike Whiteman uh, and Pittsburgh Riverhounds. My girls are competing against his girls for scholarships. They can't compete because they're doing so much conditioning. They can never get fast. Right. And when you over, and and he's a big tempo in, guy. I says it in. I says it. Says it in. I think it's super training or sports uh, side sports training. The more conditioning you do, you exhaust the force production of motor units. You cannot, <laughs> as people don't understand. And so I try to, I'm going to, I'm going to start writing letters to these coaches and my kids because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. All they got to do is practice. That's the only, here's the thing too. People don't know the residual effects of training. So once you get in shape, you, you just need to maintain that once a month. Endurance is maintained every 25, 35 days. As long as you're doing something. Somewhat endurance aerobically. This little, and soccer is there's a aerobic part to it. Once they just get in shape, you just got to and they're, and they're practicing. They'll stay in shape. They'll won't. I always ask my soccer players, when is the last time in the second half do you get out of shape? They go like never. Well, they might say once if they played a faster team, but really it's never. And that's because the residual effects of, of endurance is 25, 35, 20, 30 days. So once your team is in shape, as long as they don't take 30 days off, they will never get out of shape. So but what, these kids are, these kids are, these coaches are so, they'd rather have a root canal and a colonoscopy before they get the team out of, out of <laughs> conditioning. <laughs> True, man. What, what is your response to the athlete? You know, I get it probably the most from my football players, um, you know, middle of spring. They're like, coach, when are we going to start conditioning? What, what, do you ever get asked that? All the time, all the time. I, I tell him like this and buddy Morris says this too. This is Cardinals. He said, every, in a football game, and Louis Simmons says too, you all, it's, all, it's four to six seconds. Per, not even, I'd say three to five seconds per play. And, and then maybe you do, maybe what, you have know, the drive, it's a long drive, it's rare, eight, eight plays. Then, you, then, well, it's high school, you're playing both ways. You may get, before they, you kick the ball off, you're, getting, you're sort of getting a minute, minute, two minutes rest. 
Then it was halftime. The body does the body can recover in that short of time between the plays, even 20, 30 seconds. That's how you have to condition. It's called now there's anaerobic power, anaerobic alactic power. That's full, that's full sprints, that's speed work. Full sprints and middle, 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 lots of rest. Football players should, should train anaerobic alactic capacity. What you're running is sprints three to five seconds of short rest. And that's the game of football. And so they, when they say that, they, they, they go, Coach Bird, that makes sense. Because we're, we're never running constantly for 100 yards or a gas for 50 or, right. you know, 50 seconds. That makes total sense. The game is played from three to five seconds, a little burst like that. My front seven so, guys, my linemen, linebackers, tight ends, might not run 100 yards in a whole game. That is facts. <laughs> I don't get it, facts. man. I don't get it. But the, and, but the school that, down the street. Too. Oh, man. That's another thing, too. The linemen, that's a, this is where the consciousness we need to get. Buddy Moore says this all the time. You can't train each football player position the same. Because <laughs> linemen is basically isometric strength. You fire at the ball mm-hmm. and you're locked up. Right, the isometrics are coming to play, and then they're not running no more than ten. Not even they're they're just firing the ball a couple steps. They're not, you know, maybe they pull a couple times. They run like ten yards, and so how could if you're running your lineman fifty, hundred yards, how are you gonna get? How are you gonna gain weight? You need to be. You gotta get you gotta have mass. And so the consciousness, I will do repetition work and bodybuilding work to gain mass, because that is important position. But I went to my receivers that way. <laughs> if you know, I have a, I have a kid that they, they do team training at the school. They did. I never even heard of this thing. It's called AM reps. Yeah. As many reps as possible. And so that's good for the linemen because you want them to get high. I get y'all go. I go with your team to get, eventually get big. But if you train speed, they will eventually get speed and get mass in the right at the right time over time. If you just now, if, once you do that amp wrap, you get you get hypertrophy. Now here's the thing too: there's two types of hypertrophy. There is sarcoplasmic and there's myofibular. You're trying to again, you're trying to have an athlete produce the most mass specific force in a short amount of time. If your athlete gets strong and he gets he builds mass, he cannot run and jump. And that, I learned that about, about ten years ago. And so these linemen, I would have them do mass. But if you're running them all the time, they can't get mass. You, you're not going to have it. You, you can't, they can't gain weight because they're doing too much running. <laughs> Try to gain weight on a soccer player or a basketball player, it's almost impossible. So these football players that play basketball, they want to gain weight. I said, dude, this basketball is going to be, you have to eat 1,000, 10,000 calories a day because you're, you're burning so much calories running up and down the court. And so you're live. You don't want to do that with your live, and you're trying to. That's what I'm saying. It's all wrong. It's all backwards. <laughs> it's, it's all backwards. All these these teams train the wrong way. Like my okay, Chris Chris Acacia, my lineman. I just I just he was a D2 kid. I got him a D. I got him, and that was a difference. He got he he got a scholarship to Toledo for Division One. I. I ran. I sprinted him six times a week. <laughs> True story. Why, why is and, that? Why? Well. For one, I want to get him faster. And uh, not, and when I say fat, oh, most and more, make a bill is acceleration. There's two, there's two things, too. People do acceleration. Well, top speed is only dessert. Deter, top speed, you can only be, speed, true speed training is your training 
when the athlete reaches top speed, which is like 30 to 40 yards or 30 to 50 yards. I can feel the, the elites are like 50, 15 meters. So linemen only need acceleration 10, 20 yards. I don't why I, don't, I hate that they do the uh, combine they do 40. But anyway, I wanted I want him to try, I wanted him to come off the ball fast and pull fast. And so I blew his I just we did lots of rat, sprints, 20s and 30s and 40s with lots of rest. I wanted to six because if you do more than six, it is too damaging on the body. This is too much. It's like maxing out six times a week on a, on a barbell. And so, but other times he goes, I got to get in shape and condition. And I said, no, I had this conditioning test that you're not going to condition. I'm going to just walk you with the sled. He bought in, he did it. He went to a mini camp. They had, this is crazy. This is a college now. They ran, they ran a four, they ran a four, they ran two 400s, four 200s and 200 meter dashes. How are you doing that to your football team, the college teams? Here's the crazy part. There's a division one receiver that transferred in. And the quarterback, they they are dying. They're on the, they're on the ground. They're on the hands on their knees. Chris is like, this is the easiest thing ever. He goes that he goes Brandon that sled work worked. And the coaches were mad at him because I got him to dunk a basketball. He's he's three hundred pound kid. Actually, he was two eighty five when I first got him. And then I got him to. I I put seven inches on the vertical in two months. And he dunked the basketball. His coaches saw that. They're like, dude, I hope you aren't losing weight up there. He comes in. He went from 285 to 305. Jeez Louise. And then he, um, his 40-yard dash went from a 5-5 five, five to a 5-flat. Yeah, 5-flat. And um, his vertical was went from 20, 22 to 29, I want to say. 22 to 29. They were mad at him because he wasn't doing their workouts. And they, they thought he lost weight. It comes out he was in shape. He was more in shape. He was faster, and he could more explosive. He could dunk a basketball, and that was that's what got him a scholarship to Toledo. They saw him dunk the basketball. They're like, okay, dude, we need a center. You're our guy. And it was like it happened in, in a week. That's what. That's why this this conjugate training. If you train the right way, you can change lives. Now I, I say he, his parents were mad. He had to pay for my training, and it wasn't. It cost him about thousand dollars for the summer. He got that scholarship. He made that that grad school. It's like fifty grand. So he he invested thousand and and got a return investment of fifty grand. Because they were they were they were happy. I take that on <laughs> Wall Street any day. You take you take, and the kids gonna have an MBA for free. Well, here you know I, mean? I think the the silver lining here is you know maybe the moral of the story that I'm hearing is he bought in right. He had an open mind. He bought in. He, free, he freaking trusted you with, with the future of his playing career. He and, did. and he looked outside the box because you're not doing that. I, I should say, you know, what, what they might be brainwashed from a young age to believe is the right way to train. I, right? I, I get this. I get this all the time. I get kids come out of, out of high school and college. They go, man, Brandon, I wish I would have done this as a freshman in high school. If I had a dollar for that, I'd be, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Because they've been they've been in, they've been training improperly for so long they can never reach their potential, and it is this hard. To, I, now I'm starting to get now I'm starting to get I'm starting to get middle schoolers now because I have this kid named Marquez Wimberly, and uh, he's in eighth grade but he played ninth grade football. He is NFL caliber right now. 
I was talking the other day. He came in last night. He's training for the national uh, track and field meet. It's gonna, he might be a national champion. It's in New York City uh, next weekend. He, uh, this kid was, he wasn't gifted. People think he was, I've had him for a so long. People think he's just a freak. But he was running, he was, he was running at 5'340. And he was 130 pounds. Okay, yesterday, he went to a combine last week. He ran a 443. And in the summer, he ran a 452 laser at Penn State. They told him that Swayquan Barkley and Jahan Dotson, who I trained before, they didn't run that fast with 40 coming in. And he's only in eighth grade. He just vertical, he came in jumping, his vertical is 22 inches. His vertical is now 40. He hit 30, he hit 398 yesterday. That is a freak of freaks, man. His bar up is nine. He did nine. I think he actually hit 10 feet yesterday. He hit 10 feet yesterday for the first time. He, we were racing. I was, we got, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is cold, so I got it. It's hard to train speed. But I had, maybe had a, made a nice day. He raced all my track kids, beat every one of them. And, and he made the Junior Olympics as the as a sprinter. And I told him, I told him, um, this is the truth. I, this is why we're recruiting a little bit. These football players, for skill guys, this is what they're looking for. They want to get recruited. It's this simple. You need to run as a, as a core receiver, cornerback, and maybe even linebacker. It's getting down that point. You need – even defensive line, you need to run like at least a 4-6 or a 4 – you need to run under 4-6. If you don't do that, you got to run a 11-flat, 100-meter dash. Saquon Barkley, people don't know this, did not run a, a 40 under 4-6 coming to high school. Or the Hondathan, they ran a 10-9, 100-meter dash. That got him in. And so that's what you – so, so, so in order to do that, you have to, to be on a track team and get a verified time. And so this kid is bought in. He's on running track to get a scholarship. And he, he told me the other day, I want to go to the NFL. I want to be a first-round draft pick. This kid is for this. He said this to me at 12 years old, dude. I want to be a first-round draft pick. I want to buy my mama house. I want to. I want to get. I want to get. I want to go in the SEC. And I want to get. I want to be in the NFL. And, and the kid is bought in. And we just chip. Here's the thing. Ray Lewis has this quote. He says, "Greatness is a lot of small things stacked on top of each other." I'm trying to get 0.01 or 0.02 on a vertical. No, that's not much. I'm trying to get 0.01 in a fly time. But it adds up brick by brick, like Coach Miller says, over time. And it just it just added up. Now he's a freak because they thought he was born like that, but it's over over four years, three years. I've chipped away this time and it's I blow I blow he squatted 425 when 165 of the day. And he squats 400 pounds as a Eighth grader, <laughs> he told me I can I should run I'm I'm gonna run track this year in high school because I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm I'll be in college my second semester of of high school. I oh, mean I'm sorry I'll be in college my last second semester of, of the senior because right. I'm I'll, I'll be gone. And he's right he's he's at that level now he he he's at a Division one level right now and he hasn't touched the high school football. <laughs> and that's what that's right now I'm starting to get players like that. Now the my my worry is this is he gets in the high school training do they have to do their training he gets he goes backwards, I I lose sleep over that. So yeah, you better keep him close, much, man. Protect him. People don't people don't realize how much I care about my athlete. Like, I care about I lose sleep over this kid because he he could be he's so talented he can go all the way. I don't want anybody ruining his plan I got him on. And his dad is 
understand. I'm not letting anybody mess him up. He's like, he's going with you. He's wearing a good speed plan. He's he's the fa- he's the fastest. He's he's actually the in eighth grade. He was the fifth fastest kid in my area. <laughs> I think he's he's probably the third fastest in the state in his grade. And these are other kids are just track kids. So, but now he might even be faster, dude. The guy is insane. He runs like a he runs like twenty three miles an hour, which is insane. I'll be exciting <laughs> one to pay attention to. Not as he did he, you know, I'm getting he's actually as fast as my NFL running back. Hey, <laughs> As I'm saying, he's at, he's at another level, dude. So I now now what's happening? What I'm trying to do now, when I first got in the game, I my dream was like I'm going to train all these football players. So I played football and I I, I want to train track people like that did track, and I want to all the other sports too. But those that's what I wanted to train. But I, I it, it turned it, the table would turn when these football coaches say, "Well, can't train the football players. They're training with us." <laughs> and so my whole career is this i'm gonna make my track girls i get more track girls than boys i'm gonna make my track girls stronger and faster than your football players and that's what just that's what's that's what's happening right now <laughs> what's up guys i really hate to interrupt but this episode went way over on time we recorded for almost three whole hours which means i have to split this into two separate parts If you thought part one was good, part two is even better. We get into Bird's successes, his favorite methods, and even a little business sense. But all of that will have to be continued at a later date. So be sure to tune in next week for the second half of this chat with the Birdman himself. And if you haven't already, be sure to smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us out a ton, guys. We're trying to get this thing off the floor. If you're getting any value from what we're providing, please be sure to leave us a review. And follow us on Instagram at grindhouse underscore SC. And as always, hail strength.